0: All right. Book of Romans. Book of Romans. Now we have a lot to do. We don't have a lot of time. So we probably won't make it far. But let's do this. We have finished Romans chapter 3. See, look at that. I think we just, uh, I got a notification that we're live on the air. Yes, see? The latest episode of VBC is going live now. Justification Illustrated part 1. See? But I have an Apple device. That's probably why I got a notification. All right. Never mind, all right. Yes, I know, all the Android listeners will get mad, but I'm sorry, your phones are garbage. Okay, all right, so here we go. Oh, you got a notification too, look at that, all right. So, here we go. Book of Romans, chapter 3, we finished chapter 3, and what did we, uh, the main focus at the end of chapter 3 was we looked at justification explained. Everybody remember that? If you just saw the title, today we're going to be looking at justification Illustrated. illustrated. But before we can advance this, we need I've got to make sure we understand this, all right? Now, this, this is not going to be the typical way a sermon would be done, but that's okay. I'm going to focus here right now on making sure you have a principle down, and I want you to have this principle down, and I want to make sure you have it written down, and I want to make sure you understand this, because if you don't, then anything else I try to do right now is going to uh, be useless, all right? I want to make sure you understand this. We first have to make sure that our understanding of justification is not contradicted later when we try to come up with solutions to the book of James, to uh, being judged according to works. And we, I've stated this now over and over and over. Whatever our belief is about justification, we cannot contradict that later when we run into a problem. Oh, wait. Wait, this seems to say we're judged according to our works. Wait a minute. This one seems to say that without works, our faith is dead. And then we come up with a solution with that that literally contradicts our definition of justification. We cannot do that. Does everybody understand that? Okay, now, this is very important. When we looked at justification explained, we looked at three key words. Everybody remember those three words? Redeemed, justified, and propitiation. And simply put, we have defined now justification on a continuous basis, that justification is a legal act whereby God declares us to be just, not because we are, but because God justifies us through the giving to us, accrediting to our account, the righteousness of his Son, which involves the passive and active obedience being accredited to our account. Not only does he give us his righteousness, he propitiates, he satisfies God's wrath. Not only that, he purchases us, he he pays a redemption price to purchase us. All of this is done for us, it is done to us, and it has nothing to do with what we can do, has nothing to do with what we will do, has nothing to do with what we fail to do. This is the work of God where the righteousness of his son is given to me and therefore I am declared to be just and, what's another important word? Righteous. How righteous am I declared to be? Perfect righteous, right? That's important. That's very important to be declared perfectly righteous. And that, so I can't come along and say, well, if you don't, do you don't do this and 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 you don't do this, you're not righteous. Or you were never given righteousness. Well, wait a minute. If I'm given righteousness, I don't have to do anything to prove that I was given righteousness because what the righteousness was given to me, not on the basis of if I do A, B, C, and D to prove it. Because if it's if I'm proving it, then I'm not given righteousness I'm being infused with the righteousness, which I have to then prove that I was infused with. Does that make sense? Like, how do you prove that you were given a righteousness? I can't prove it by doing righteous, because I was given an alien righteousness. Does everybody understand that? I I cannot stress this enough, because we're getting ready, in chapter 4, we're going to run into a problem. Now, I did a... A little. I I did a live broadcast yesterday uh, outlining this. So let me just tell you, we're going to run into a problem where we're going to come into conflict with two Abrahams. We're going to have the Abraham of Romans and we're going to have the Abraham of James, and the two Abrahams don't agree, and we're going to have to we're going to have to reconcile the two Abrahams, and our reconciliation of the two Abrahams. What can we not do? Contradict. Our understanding of justification. Unless our understanding of justification is what? Wrong. Then we have to create a new understanding of justification. And if you're not careful, literally, I'm telling you, you're a step away from Roman Catholicism. And that's where most Protestants end up. End up. It's just a variation of Roman Catholic teaching. And we're trying to avoid that unless we're just going to become Catholic. Now, if we become Catholic, we have to throw out our entire understanding of justification. Then, therefore, it's not an imputed righteousness. It's an infused righteousness. We've got to cooperate with it, and then we don't know if we'll ever get to heaven. And based off the way some of you live and I live, well, none of us are getting there. So, I don't like that system. <laughs> okay? I don't, I don't like that one, okay? Because I don't know how we would ever get there, right? So, that's, I want to make sure we drive that point home. Okay, right, now, with that said, we go to Romans chapter 4. Here we go. Romans chapter 4. Now, typically, I would read a section and then give you an outline. We're not doing that here because I want you to to struggle with me with the text. And we'll just struggle for a few minutes because uh, this opens up so many problems. All right, here we go. Everybody ready? Romans chapter 4, verse 1. What shall we say then that Abraham our father, as pertaining to the flesh, hath found What shall we say then that Abraham, our father, as pertaining to the flesh, hath found? Now let's stop right there. Any good Bible student who reads Romans chapter 4 verse 1 should probably stop and say something like, What? What is confusing about Romans chapter 4 verse 1? What is confusing about it? If you don't think it's confusing, feel free to tell me it's not confusing and then I'll have you come up here and explain to everyone why it's not. Okay, I'm, I won't make you come up here. I'm joking. But. There we go. What, what? Where did Abraham come from? T- take a look. Skim chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3. Look at Romans 1, 2, and 3. Tell me if you see Abraham mentioned in Romans chapter 1, chapter 2, or chapter 3. <laughs> no. Right? So, so all of a sudden, like, I, I'm reading this book. Chapter one, I don't see, uh, Abraham mentioned. Chapter two, I don't see Abraham mentioned. Chapter three, I don't see Abraham mentioned. And then all of a sudden, what shall we say then, uh, that Abraham, our father, is pertaining to the flesh? Of the what do you mean, what, what shall we say then about Abraham? What, uh, who's talking about Abraham? Paul, what, where? In fact, this seems so disjointed and disconnected. It's almost like, are, are we sure we got the chapters? In, have you ever read a novel and then you read a chapter and you're like, wait, did I skip something? What, what, what's, what happened? He has been talking about the... now. There, Okay, now, Bobby's going to try to help us answer it. Right now I want us to embrace the problem and then we'll try to come up with the answer, right? So, the first problem is uh, there's no mention of Abraham in chapters 1 through 3. Everyone agree that kind of makes chapter 4 weird? Right? Not only that, look back at chapter 3, verse 31. The only problem now with having a a connection is now I'm getting all these notifications from all these podcasts that I subscribe to. They're all, I keep getting notifications. Let me turn the volume down. Okay. So, bing, bing, notification. Like, yeah. I can't keep up with all the podcasts. All right. Here we go. So, go back to chapter 3, verse 31. What does chapter 3, verse 31 end with a discussion about? Do we then make void the law through faith? God forbid, yea, we establish the law. What shall we say then that Abraham, our father, is pertaining to the flesh, hath found? You see why that's confusing? Abraham lived before what? Before the law. Abraham lived before the Mosaic law, right? Now, this, this, this leads to lots of interest. Well, wait a minute. So, then why, why will you bring up Abraham? Who do you think you would bring up? Moses. Right? Wouldn't that seem to make sense, <laughs> Well, it goes Abraham's pre pre Mosaic law. Now that's interesting, because when because some argue that when the law is referred to in uh, Romans, it's only referring to the Mosaic law. This is interesting because we just went from law to a discussion of Abraham. Well, did, how do we does that? Any is there any connection to the law discussion in three thirty one? In chapter 4, or he's just completely changed the subject. It's, it's abrupt, it seems odd, it seems confusing, and we have to try to figure this out. Alright? Um, it almost feels like, tell me if you agree, what shall we say then that Abraham our father is pertaining to the flesh hath found? It almost seems that what Paul's doing in chapter 4 verse 1 is anticipating... He's anticipating that after people read chapter 3, and what's been the emphasis at the end of chapter 3? We're not justified according to what? We're We're not justified according to law. We're not justified according to law. We're not justified according to law. It's almost like he's, he's anticipating that the Jewish audience who reads this will say, wait, wait, what about Abraham? It's almost like he seems to be anticipating it. And if he is anticipating, then that, that may explain why the, the, the subject changes. But it still brings up to me, if he, if he thinks the discussion here about the law possibly will get the Jews to think about Abraham, that seems to think that the word law carries a broader meaning than just the Mosaic law. Possibly. I'm just throwing these things out. All right. So let's do this. Let's try to figure out why Abraham is here. Why Abraham is being mentioned. Okay. We kind of see where, why there's a problem. He's not mentioned in one through three. Chapter three, verse 31 ends with a discussion about the law. And it almost seems like he's just anticipating. He's anticipating something. Okay. Well, what is he anticipating? What is going on? So let's do this. Let's look at how this verse is trans, is, translated in other translations to see if it provides us, you know, sometimes the tra- other translations will help us. So you go, oh, okay, I think I know what's going on. Let's see if this provides any help. You ready? Let's start with the New International Version. What then shall we say that Abraham, are, what then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, discovered in this matter? Now that's interesting. What matter? What matter? something to do with the law? I don't know. And it's kind of weird how the NIV translates it. How about the New Living Translation? Abraham was, humanly speaking, the founder of our Jewish nation. What did he discover about being made right with God? All right, now that, that really kind of helps. It's like what he's saying, hey, this is how we're not made. This is how we're not made right with God. So Abraham, he's the father of all of us Jews. How, how, did, how did, what did he discover about being made right with God? Now that, that translation is offering a major interpretation to a lot of things. That, that phrase pertaining to the flesh, they're interpreting that to mean that uh, Abraham is the father of all Jews pertaining to the flesh. Not everyone agrees that that's what that phrase means. So we'll have to get into that. All right. Uh, the ESV. What then shall we say was gained by Abraham our forefather according to the flesh? Right? So it's almost like Paul is saying, "Hey, guys, you can't the law can't justify you. You can't do anything." All right. We're all Jews, right? Who's the father of the Jews? Well, what what did he discover? What did he discover? So th- now that kind of carries the illustrative principle, right? Oh, so he's going to illustrate this in Abraham. And why is he going to choose Abraham? Well, he's, he seems to be speaking uh, here to the Jewish audience. All right, that, that may help us a little bit. All right, uh, the Berean Study Bible. What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, has discovered? All right, that's not as helpful, okay? Okay. Um, New American, what then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, has found? New King James, what then shall we say that Abraham, our father, has found according to the flesh? And then King James, what shall we say then that Abraham, our father, as pertaining to the flesh, hath found? All right. So that, that offers a little bit of an idea. Would you agree that kind of offers some help? Some, it's almost like, hey, and and I think we, I think we can kind of get an idea why Abraham comes in. So I'll kind of explain it this way. We'll look at some other answers. (coughs) Hey, guys, listen to me. You cannot be justified by what you do. You cannot be justified by the works of the law. You cannot be. Now, I know you're, you've got questions, Jews. So let's do this. Let's go back to the father of the Jewish nation, which is Abraham. What did he find out? What did he discover? Let's go, let's, go, let's go study him and see what he does. Did he discover the same thing or did he discover something different? That seems to make some sense. Agreed? Right. Let's look at some other possibilities. Go to Romans chapter 3, verse 1. Romans chapter 3, verse 1. What subject comes up in Romans chapter 3, verse 1? Circumcision circumcision now that definitely has something to do with flesh has something to do with work has something to do with action agreed yes okay that kind of makes sense um how about romans 3 uh look at romans three twenty-eight 29 what subject comes up again Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. He is the God of the Jews only. Is he, is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also. Seeing it is one God which shall justify the circumcision by faith and uncircumcision through faith. All right? Now, he talks about circumcision again. Yes? Chapter 3, verse 1, and almost to the end of Romans 3, we have more discussion about circumcision. Agreed? Now, why, why would this possibly lead us to a discussion about Abraham? There we go. Circumcision is established under Abraham, it's given to Abraham, yes? Genesis 17. Genesis 17. Genesis 17. Okay, that doesn't register with anybody. Write that down. Genesis 17. You'll, you'll see why this is important, all right? Genesis 17. I think it's verse 11. I could be wrong. Let me look here. I thought when I said 17, I was going to get, oh. And I got, yeah, so. Okay. I, I was looking for, oh. And y'all looked at me like, yeah, big deal. 17, who cares, Okay. Yeah. Remember, uh, one of the key elements of understanding the Bible is understanding where events occur in their time, right? Timelines. Yeah. It's very important to this whole story. But okay, uh, if we go back to uh, Genesis chapter 17... Um, God renews his covenant in chapter 17. If we go to verse 9, And God said unto Abraham, Thou shalt keep my covenant, therefore thou and th- thy seed after thee and their generations. This is my covenant which ye shall keep between me and you and thy seed after thee. Every man child among you shall be circumcised. I, um, I believe that may be the first use of the word in the Bible. I believe. I could be wrong, but I believe it's the first time it shows up. Um, and you shall circumcise the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be a token of the covenant betwixt me and you. All right? So, would we say circumcision is directly linked to Abraham? Everyone should say, amen. Where does it occur? Genesis 17. Genesis 17. Write that in big letters. Circle it, 13 exclam- exclamation points just to make Stacy mad, Okay? Right? She's like, one exclamation point. Multiple exclamation points does not intensify blah It does to me. Make thirteen of them, okay? All right. Thirteen. Right? Because it's important. You'll see why. Now, another important thing, please note. When God tells Abraham to do the coven, to, to do circumcision, is that a law? It tells him to do it, right? So I think we could call it a law. I, I, think it's, it's, I, think it's, I think this is important because what I want you to see, remember, within the Catholic commentaries on Romans, whenever it says we're not justified according to the works of the law, they reduce that to, that's only pertaining to the Mosaic law. Period. Period. So yes, you're not saved by keeping the Mosaic law, but you are saved by keeping the law of Christ. Well, wait a minute. Is is Paul now bringing in the concept of law involving even that that precedes the Mosaic law? Does that make sense? Just, Just keep that in mind because as soon as they talk about circumcision, he then talks about what? That we're not justified by the works of the law. And then he mentions circumcision, correct? In chapter 3. all right, Just keep that in mind. I know, I know I'm throwing a lot of concepts out of you. So I think that Abraham shows up here for two reasons. All right. Here's the two reasons I think Abraham shows up here. Number one, he wants them to understand they're not justified by keeping the law. And so he wants to bring in an illustration that would have great significance to his audience. The audience is Jewish, at least in part. And what, if why not start back with the father of the Jewish nation? If I can show you that he wasn't justified by keeping the law, that should end the argument, correct? So that's important. Second reason Abraham is brought up is he, he's been talking about circumcision. For the Jew, who are they going to immediately link that to? Abraham. So why, why not a perfect time to bring in whom? Abraham. And what chapter does circumcision occur? Seventeen. All right? Y'all still haven't caught on to the significance of that? Okay. Man. All right. Uh, for those listening online, please understand that they're playing dumb just to, uh, to just to make y'all feel better. All right. Okay. Here we go. So, oh man, I got a lot here. Let's. I'm gonna skip. I'm gonna skip. Uh, I've got some commentaries here that try to explain why uh, Abraham is mentioned, but I think I did. I think I did better than the commentary there in explaining it. So, all right. I mean, they they probably stated it better, but I think I broke it down as simple as I could. The commentary is a little bit more complicated. So, what are the two reasons we think Abraham is mentioned in Romans chapter four, verse one? Okay, because he's talking to Jews, and. if he's going to to talk about not being justified with the works of the law, he's going to go to the father of the Jewish nation to say, how was he justified? Right? And if he can prove that he wasn't justified by the law, then guess what? Problem solved. Yes? And what's the second reason? In chapter 3, he mentions circumcision a number of times and who's connected to circumcision? Abraham. And and Abraham is connected to circumcision in what chapter? Chapter? Chapter 17. All right. So now, that's the first thing. So we have, why is Abraham there? Why is Abraham there? Let's go back to Romans 4. I, you're probably there. I'm all the way back in Genesis. Here we go. So, first thing, we've, first thing we've answered is why Abraham is mentioned. Everyone can say amen to that? All right, good. Aren't you glad you came to church to find that out? All right, here we go. What shall we say then? That Abraham, our father, as pertaining to the flesh. Stop right there. What does pertaining to the flesh mean? All right. Do what? Okay, that, that's... yeah, Possibly. All right. I'm going to read a commentary here that tries to answer this. And you're going to note that they, they don't, I don't know if they know for sure either. Okay. There's some confusion here. And again, this is, what, this is the kind of thing that you may read and just you may fly right past it. You may not stop and go, well, what does this pertaining to the flesh refer to? All right, let's see what they they, they offer up. As pertaining to the flesh, the expression is one that has been much controverted. Um, In other words, a lot of controversy about it. In the original, it may refer to Abraham as their father according to the flesh. That is their natural father or from whom they were descended. So in other words, this may simply say, Hey, Abraham, our father, pertaining to the flesh. He is our father pertaining to the flesh. We descended from Abraham. So what did our father, according to the flesh, what did he find? All right. That's one way of interpreting it. Does that make sense? Does everybody understand that way of interpreting it? What's the other possible way? Or it may be connected with hath found. What shall we say that Abraham, our father, hath found in respect to the flesh? All right, he is our father, but what did our father find in regards to the flesh? All right, now what does it mean in regards to the flesh? According to, okay, well, what could that refer to? Miss Gussler mentioned circumcision, right? What did what did he discover in regards to something done in the flesh? Something done according to human work or effort. Now there's some debate about what this could could refer to. Um, some refer the word flesh to external privileges and advantages. Others refer to it as one's own strength or power. And others make it refer to circumcision. Alright, so we have a lot here to figure out, yes? Alright, so let's look at this. Let me read it again. What shall we say then that Abraham... We know why Abraham is there, right? Now we know why Abraham is there. We think we have uh, two good reasons. Everybody remember the two reasons? One, he's been talking about being justified without the works of the law. And so he's going to go back and say, well, what about Abraham? He's the father of the Jewish nation. What did, he, what did he figure out? Second reason? Well, he's talking about circumcision in chapter 3. Who's connected to circumcision? And what chapter? Chapter 17. Okay, Keep, oh, keep, all right, now we have to figure out what does this mean pertaining to the flesh? So, let's take a show of hands. Who connects pertaining to the flesh back to our Father? And who connects pertaining to the flesh to hath found? All right, Seth goes with hath found. You don't know, okay. That's good, I like honesty. Anybody? To Abraham our father? Okay. Everybody understand the differences in how to interpret this, right? If it's it's to our father, then what does it simply say? Abraham our father according to the flesh. If it's to hath found, then what did Abraham our father find in the flesh? Everybody see the difference? Could be Well, maybe. If it's, if it's to our father, then there's nothing really hard to figure out. Agreed? Hey, Abraham's our father according to the flesh. No big deal. Yeah. If it's what he has found according to the flesh, then we have to go, wait a minute. What do you mean by what did Abraham discover in the flesh? In other words, what did Abraham discover in regards to being made right with God in what he did in the flesh. That would include circumcision, and it could include what? Anything he attempted to do. Any of his works. And what did Paul just tell us in chapter 3? We're not justified. works. So, so what did Abraham discover, our father, in regards to the flesh? I don't know which way to go there. I don't know which way to go. I would say consider both. The first one, it doesn't, it doesn't change. I mean, okay, he's already stated that he's our father, right? To me, it would be redundant. Hey, Abraham, our father, he really is our father according to the flesh. That seems redundant. Now, Paul is famous for being redundant. Let's be fair. Right? How many times? Look at, remember in chapter 2, you're judged according to your works, and then he spent, like, what? Five verses making sure we understood. And you're like, Paul, we got the point in the first, right? Paul is famous for being redundant. So, being redundant is not necessarily... Disproves that's the way to interpret it, but it it's keep, keeps it into consideration. The second way, I, I, I think I see what Seth is saying. The second way really starts developing the illustration he wants to put, put forward. So we're going to at least consider the second option. What did Abraham, our father, now speaking of the Jews, what did he discover according to the flesh when it comes to being made right with God? What did he discover? Well, what do we need to ask? What did he discover? Okay, What did he discover? Well, we know in chapter 17, he discovered that there was a cutting away of the flesh. Circumcision was to occur. Now, what's the obvious question that Paul wants you to... What do you think he's trying to imply? Was he then justified by that cutting away of the flesh? If so, then its justification has something to do with what? Works of law. That would mean that that circumcision is being referred to as law which goes beyond the Mosaic law, which could cause great bring into question the way some people interpret parts of Romans. Right? Always remember, I pre- I present a problem maybe 6 months ago, I don't give you a good answer. And then six months later, I come back to it. And when I come back to it, you're supposed to go, oh, but typically you forgot the problem I gave you. Six months ago, you were getting frustrated with me. going, are like, I, he won't give me any answer. And I don't know what to do with this. And I'm getting so frustrated. You just got to wait. You <laughs> just got to wait. That's how education is supposed to work. Present the problem at the beginning of the semester. And by the end of said semester, you lead everyone to... The solution. But you've got to have, why do I do that? Because six months of struggling makes the solution more powerful. If I just present you the answer, you won't even remember the answer before you get to Tuscola. Don't look, at, don't look shocked and offended. You know that's true. Right? Now this, maybe you'll get to Abilene before you forget. Okay? All right? Maybe I can at least increase it, you know, 20 minutes. Okay? All right. Here we go. That's, all right, here we go. Now, so far so good? All right, so, he's kind of posed questions. I like, again, how does Paul teach? What kind of method is he using? Socratic method, right? My favorite method of teaching. Ask questions, ask questions, questions. So, hey, what, what should we say then that Abraham our father is pertaining to the flesh hath found? What did Abraham find according to the flesh? What did he find in the flesh? And find according, uh, dealing with what subject? Justification. I mean, obviously that's chapter 3 is what it was all about and he's going to return to it in chapter 4, right? Now, that leads us to verse 2. For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. Everybody see that? All right. So, he, he's posing, if Abraham, so let's go through this. Why is Abraham there? What's the two reasons? He's talk. If, he, if he's the father of all Jews, we should figure out how he was justified, right? And number two, yeah, with connected with circumcision in chapter 17. chapter 17 of Genesis. Okay? Everybody got that? All right? And then we come to the next question. Pertaining to the flesh. Why is Abraham there? That's number one. Number two, pertaining to the flesh, and we think pertaining to the flesh means what did he discover about justification in regards to the flesh? What happened in the flesh? what he did in the flesh, what happened to his flesh. Everybody got that? Now, number three, third thing is, the third major point that I want to get across is this. If Abraham were justified by works, if Abraham were justified by works, if he was, if he was justified by works, now please note verse two brings up if he was justified by works, which I think means pertaining to the flesh has something to do with work done in the flesh, right? I think that helps us interpret that. Does that make sense? All right. So what's so he asked the question? Hey guys, if Abraham were justified by works, he and the King James uses uh, what phrase? The right to glory. What's another translation? To boast. If he's justified by works, who gets the credit? Abraham. He gets to somehow say, look what I did. Now keep that in mind because this this is what I've tried to say. The evidential argument that works prove you're saved, that leads to who boasting? Now, I know what we say. Well, well, we don't do the works. God does the work through us. Well, if God does the work through us, then all Christians should have the... You would think they would have the same amount of works. Or unless you're going to say, well, God doesn't want me to have the same amount kind of works, then who gets blamed for not having the amount of works? Like, that whole system creates like a million questions, right? Hey, well, it's not my works, it's God's works. Well, if it's God's works, why do I have more works than Bobby? Well, God wanted me to have more than Bobby. And then Bobby can say, well, I don't get blamed because. God. Like, yeah, <laughs> so that, we don't want that. So ultimately, who's going to take the credit for those works? Because unless you're going to have sanctification being a monergistic activity, which we don't believe it is, well, then you're going to take some credit. See, I, that's the evidential side becomes more about who. You, then God. And he's saying, Abraham had no right to, or he's saying, if it is by works, then Abraham could walk around and go, look everybody, look what I did. And Abraham would have some pretty big things to boast about. Right? Number one, if God was to call me right now, start saying, cut off part of my flesh, I may kind of go, mm, I don't know if I'm that committed. Right? I mean, that's, especially back then with the medical tools that they had at their disposal, okay? Yeah, I don't know if I'm so down with this, okay? that I think you could brag a little bit about that, yes? And then, what else did he do? He took his only son, put that in quotations, he had another son, but Isaac is referred to as the only begotten, which shows only begotten doesn't refer to producing it refers to unique and one of a kind remember that when you read John 3:16 about Jesus okay all right but he w- willing to offer him up as a sacrifice that's something to boast about is it not but if justification had nothing to do with the cutting of the flesh or the offering of a son then guess what abraham can't do boast in regards to his justification Everybody got that? All right. Now, oh, we're running out of time. We're running out of time. So we know why Abraham is there. We know the pretending of the flesh. We, we now have considered the question, what if he was justified by works? And it would lead to what? Abraham walking around going, look at me! Look. Now, you, know, you say, well, Abraham probably wouldn't have done that. He may not have done it in practice, but he could have been doing it on the inside because there's lots of Christians who walk around thinking how superior and better they are than everyone else. Okay? Well, wait a minute. Be careful. Now, this leads us to the next one. Verse 3. He's going to ask another... Man, he's going question crazy, is he not? I love it. I love this. I love questions. I love questions. Okay? Me and Paul would have gotten along very well. Okay? All right. For what saith thee... Stop right there. For what saith the Scripture... Now he's going to bring. Now he set up all the questions, right? Now, for what sayeth the Scripture? This question. How many questions has he asked so far? Count how many total questions. If you look at the text, is it four? Three. Okay, this is number four, right? OK I got some no's and I got some yeses. Let's count them. What's the first question? Well, go back to verse one. Let's go through all the questions. What shall we say then? What shall we say then? Is that not a question? Right. What shall we say then that Abraham, our father, as pertaining to the flesh, is found? Now, you can make that all one question. There's part of, the part of me kind of one. I know it's really one. Part of me wants to break it down to two the way I broke it down. So I, I can see why you, you, you're counting it as one, are you not? Okay, right. Because it's sentence, she's right. From teaching, I want to break it into two. But yeah, it's one. All right, number two. For if Abraham were justified by works... He hath wherewith to glory, but not before God. I know that's not really asked as a question. I asked it as a question, right? So my way of doing it, because, hey, what if uh, he was justified? He's saying it more as a statement, right? Next, for what saith scripture? So in that case, you would have two, really, right? Two real questions. You can kind of break it down to get four. Does that make sense? Okay, or three. Well, where, where was the other one that you uh, you... Oh, I say each verse. Okay, okay, that's fair. That's fair. Okay. So we have we have a couple of questions, agreed? Now, what I want you to see is all these questions, he leads to the question in verse three, and that question in verse three is ultimately going to be the turning point of the whole discussion. Right? Because he's, been, he's trying to get them to think about, well, man, what do, what do we think about Abraham? What did he find according to the flesh? What, what, what if he was justified by works? He could walk around boasting. Okay, guys, what does the Scripture say? Now, when he says, what does the Scripture say, what is he getting ready to do? Quote a Scripture. What Scripture does he quote? What chapter? Where does circumcision happen? What happens in 15? What does that verse say in Romans? He's what? What is the exact reading? He was counted righteous before circumcision and before what else? Before he offers up Isaac. Does that make sense? Okay. Before. Before. The timing here is imp- important. Now, James is going to blow up the time. He's going he's to set a time bomb to the time. He's just going to. And it's gonna, we're going to get all confused. But at least for Paul, he wants you to know hey, what does the scripture say, guy? And what are they going to have to say? Paul, or Paul, Abraham was declared righteous, he was justified. Before circumcision ever happened, before he was even told to be circumcised, before he even offered up Isaac, agreed. In fact, um, if you, in fact, it, let's go back to Genesis fifteen really quick. I just have to look here. We're out of time. Oh, man, why, is sermon, why do we never have enough time? Church needs to be thirty hours long. Okay, and I know there's only twenty four hours in a day. Okay, but that's okay. Let me look here. Yeah, in chapter 15... Yeah, I'm looking here. I'm trying to look at a timeline here. Had uh, had Lot... Lot gets captured in chapter 14. He gets rescued... Right? Is is Lot still hanging out with Abraham in fifteen? Or do they? When do they? When does Abraham? Uh, Lot take his uh, go pitch his tent towards Sodom? Uh, chapter thirteen. Yeah, and uh, he hears. Yeah, I think he just rescues him, and Lot goes back to that area. Yeah, okay, yeah, all right. So he's not still with him. I was just saying if he's still with him. But the bottom line is, before circumcision, before the whole offering up of Isaac where he really seems to demonstrate his great faith, he is already declared righteous and justified before any of that happens. And Paul uses that fact to argue what? That Abraham was not justified by his actions. By the work that he did in the flesh, that involves circumcision and that involves offering up Isaac. So it's important that 17 is where the circumcision happens. 15 is where Paul quotes from in Romans chapter 4. Let me just read it one more time. For what saith the Scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted him, it was counted unto him for Righteousness. Please note, it was counted unto him for righteousness. It was counted. That Greek word is very important. Okay, we don't have time to look it up, but we will. Okay? So, what do we? What do we establish? Do we know? Uh, let's review. Why is Abraham here? We've got two reasons. Everybody got the two reasons. He's gonna. He's going to. If we're going to talk about justification not according to works, well, who's, who's a good person to look at? The father of the entire Jewish nation. What's the second reason? Abraham is connected with circumcision, which is mentioned in chapter 3, and, and, chapter, and, and Abraham is, mentioned, is connected with it in chapter uh, 17 of Genesis. All right? Second thing we talked about, pertaining to the flesh, we interpreted pertaining to the flesh as referring to what? Hath found, yeah, hath found. Everybody remember that? So what, how did we interpret that? What did Abraham, our father, find in regards to justification in his flesh? Everybody got that? Then we talked about um, the uh, if Abraham were justified by works, if he was justified by works, what would be his response? He could glory or boast. Yes? Then we talked about what saith the scriptures? What saith the scriptures? And what did the scriptures teach? Abraham was justified by faith and counted righteous. He wasn't made righteous. He was counted righteous By faith, without what? Without circumcision, without doing anything else. So Abraham illustrates the principle that Paul has been teaching in chapter 3. Now, I know what we need to do is go to James and see how James completely blows this up. But we'll have to deal with that later. Any questions? Do you understand now those verses? Someone please say yes. yes. Okay. All right. Okay. Good. I, I, I can't break them down any more, any more than I have. All right, good. We'll stop right there. Plenty to think about. We've got a lot more to work on in this chapter. But we'll get there because before he's going to go, he's going to jump to David. Then he's going to come back to Abraham, which I don't know why he does that. But we'll, we'll have to figure out why he does it that way. All right, let's pray. Lord God, we come before you this morning. Everyone in this room must be grateful and thankful that our justification is not according to works. Paul has taught it. Paul has illustrated it. I hope that we believe it, and I hope that we are grateful for it. Our justification has to do with what your son did on the cross, what he did in his uh, active and passive obedience. And we are grateful that that has been imputed, accredited, counted to our account, that we can be declared righteous by faith. It is a gift that should bring nothing but pure contentment in our lives. But it's a gift that we often take for granted and we forget about and it's been a life complaining and wanting more. Uh, I hope that we would take this uh, gift uh, and, and cherish it more than we have. And we ask this in Jesus' name. And God's people said,